All right, guys, who wants to make some money? Everyone. Everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to the wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save on time and fees when you book, or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's the perfect thing for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're going home for a break and perfect for extended travel like semester abroad. All state insurance covers your car every trip. Also, a really cool part of this, Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right, even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast, Monday edition of the show. As always, we're presented by Total Beverage, where DNVR listeners can get 30% off your purchase of $25 or more by using the code DNVR2019. You can do it online or on the Total Beverage app. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area and also now has CBD products as well. So make sure to hit up Total Beverage for all your liquor, wine, beer, spirits, CBD needs uh, this week, uh, this weekend. On the line with me, Brendan Vote. How's it going, Brendan? Harrison, what's up, man? I just uh, I went to my first DNVR Sons of Mile High Broncos tailgate today. It was awesome, man. Free booze from Breck Brew. You guys, listeners, you already know how we feel about that. Free food. Hung out with the DNVR crowd. Met some fans. It was awesome. And then the Broncos got a win, dude. So I know the Broncos did get a win, like. Them shutting out the Titans was maybe the most shocking thing that I would have are you, <laughs> thought of the are scenarios you, that were in play from De- for Denver. Are you back on the Broncos train? Or are, are, is the tank still on or sh- are the playoffs still still in sight? No, they should definitely still tank. <laughs> <laughs> they never Probably will. True. And a, a tiny little ounce of me respects them for not tanking. They think they're above that, but I think they probably still should. Yeah, probably. They look good today, though. <laughs> today was awesome. If you're... Listen in, uh, check out. We had a Nuggets fan there, actually. Alan, oh, that's awesome. A listener. Yeah, so get your butt to the next tailgate. Uh, I think there's one on Thursday. Uh, they're a lot of fun, so come on out. Yeah, beer, food, DNVR merch. I mean, what else could you ask for? What else could you Easy. ask for? Easy decision. So a lot to get to on today's show. We got some questions to get to. Of course, we got some iTunes reviews to get to, as always. I want to remind you guys, if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, I will read it on the show. That's my promise to you guys. Uh, so we'll continue to do that today. And we got to talk about the Nuggets win over the Clippers uh, over the weekend. A lot to take away from that game, from how Michael Porter looked, you know, from game one to game two. Uh, the small forward battle is certainly heating up. I think we might have a little more clarity on that, but we'll talk about that as well. What we've thought of Jamal Murray through a couple games, the bench, which just looks really strong, maybe even stronger than last year, if that's possible, mm-hmm. uh, Jokic, and some other topics as well. I feel like we should probably start with Michael Porter, though. I mean, he, he I, is the storyline of camp. <laughs> I think that's what everyone wants to talk about. Absolutely. What did you just think of his night against the Clippers compared to how he looked in that first game? against Portland, what did you see from him from game one to game two? 
he looked like someone who had his debut out of the way to me. And when I say that, I mean game one, I don't think he got nervous. We've talked about that, but it obviously meant a lot to him. Even on that first shot, I think he talked to Nick Cosmeter and his, his piece after that game about how he was trying to do a different move, but he didn't quite have the handle on the ball. I thought he came into that Clippers game with kind of all that behind him and a mentality of just going out there, playing basketball. And it looked to me like he was genuinely trying to close that game out. It was just a preseason game, but he took that fourth quarter seriously. And yeah, he just looked like a guy who was who was ready to just get out there and hunt buckets like he always has, you know? Yeah, if you guys missed that game for any reason, Porter didn't play until, what, the fourth quarter. He just played the entire yep. fourth quarter. Uh, 12 minutes, 6-7 from the field, 0-1 from 3, 5 rebounds, 12 points overall in 12 minutes. That fourth quarter was really impressive, I thought. And a couple things stuck out to me. He has a really good awareness for just how to use his size right now, I feel like. Yeah. And you particularly see that uh, inside. He got a couple nice offensive rebounds. And you know whatever small forward the Clippers were trying to throw at him uh, when Porter was at the three, uh, no match. I was impressed with just his ability to kind of use his size. And it seems like from game one to game two, uh, the game is kind of already sl- slowing down for him. He was just had a pretty methodical approach, I thought, on the offensive end. I got that sense as well. And to your your first comment there, you know that is what he told us at media day that the coaching staff told him, "Hey, if you can't be option one, two, or three, what can you do? You can be six ten, six eleven. And so you're right. I think he is like kind of hunting offensive rebounds. He's cutting very well. He looks like mm-hmm. a great cutter to me. Uh, and and he kind of knows how to almost like a good striker in soccer, Harrison. He just kind of knows how to hunt out a, a scoring opportunity. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Man. He, he's, he looks like he was trying to play like a 6'10 guy, which he should because he's a mismatch at the three for most of the league if he can learn how to do that. Yeah, he's such a mismatch because most small forwards just don't have the height, don't have the length that he does. And then if he's matched up against a power forward or, or even a, you know a, a bigger three – he can just take him out to the perimeter and drive right by him. He, he had a, one of those against the Clippers that sticks out and a couple similar moments, I thought, against Portland. He should be a mismatch nightmare. And, you know, offensively, it just seems like he's got elite instincts. And these are kind of things that we thought he might have. Um, but his instincts seem to be off the charts. Just his feel for the game, his rhythm on the offensive end, it seems like it's accelerating a little bit because he seems like he was just so much more comfortable in game two compared to game one. But I mean, those offensive instincts and intangibles, they're there. Like like my big takeaway was like what we thought those could look like, they're there. The skill set is there. There's no doubt about it. And that's just game two, right? So mm-hmm. this is a guy who after essentially a full year off, right? So this is a guy who this stuff comes naturally to him and how he plays in an NBA regular season setting still to be determined, but this is a guy who is cut from that cloth that, you know, he's been sold to be. He's a, he's a legitimate scoring threat. I like what you said about his off ball movement, because we always think about Porter as a guy who, you know, coming up throughout the high school AAU ranks, he was always going to have the ball in his hand, right? Initiating offense, taking most of his team's, you know, shots, taking most of his team's attempts, but 
I feel like he's flashed a little bit of what he can do off the ball just in terms of moving to open space and uh, just playing within the realms of Denver's free-flowing read-and-react offense. And we heard this from Nikola Jokic throughout training camp and from Porter, but he should be an amazing cutter because he's so tall. He can go up and get oops, tip-ins, corral like any pass that's a little off-target. And so he should be a really good off the ball guy too, and I think we're seeing that a little as well. Absolutely, no doubt. Did is am I correct in in remembering that Jokic said he can be the best cutter on the team? That's what he told MPJ. Yeah, and, and I agree. He's so vertical too. Like he he stands tall, he moves tall, catches the ball high, keeps it high, finishes with grace and ease around the rim, and you know he's such a threat from deep as well. That yeah, I, I think he's going to be an elite cutting threat. And I don't need to explain to anyone who listens to this podcast what that means when you pair a type of player like that with Nikola Jokic and also this team that just moves the ball well. So he, in that sense, I think, will fit into the offensive identity. Right. Yeah, it seems like he can really be a factor in this system, not just on the ball but off it. Let's talk about his defense because it's obviously probably the weakest part of his game and there have been a lot of bad moments over these last couple mm-hmm. games, a lot of rough possessions from him where he's messing up switches, trying to switch when guys aren't there. Uh, that one in the corner where he tried to switch uh, with Monte yeah. Morris and Anthony Simons had that wide-open three. That was a tough one. Uh, but I will say that I think there's hope for him on that end of the floor because of two things, his length and this kind of goes hand in hand with his length, but his potential rim protection ability, because he had that one steal against the Clippers where he just got his hand in the passing lane and Denver took it the other way. So I think it can be a factor in that respect, getting deflections, generating turnovers, uh, but also as a rim protector. And Denver has rolled out a couple of these lineups with him, Jeremy Grant, Vanderbilt, where there's just so much length. And, you know, Porter is 6'10", 6'11". You know, he can be a deterrent at the basket, I feel like. Yeah, and when you talk about trying to figure out the Denver Nuggets, I guess you could call it problem at the three long term, he really, your baseline is so much higher defensively when you have that frame, right? He doesn't have to have elite defensive instincts to still fill that void in a way that Beasley or Barton can't because of their size. Um, So I'm, I'm with you there, absolutely. I do think he's got a long way to go. Part of it probably is that he's still getting in shape, right? In terms of game shape, I should say. He obviously looks great. But getting, getting his feet and his lungs underneath him. And I think for a guy like MPJ, while he's doing that, it, it's understandable, natural, predictable that he would expend more energy on the offensive end, hunting out those buckets. So I do want to give him time. Um, but yet, the, you know, it's that switch in the corner you talked about, Harrison, that kind of inexplicable one. That's what's worrisome. Like, I, I don't think he's had a lot of practice playing defense at a high level, making these reads. So it is going to be... A process, there will be growing pains, but just be 6'10", be 6'11", and you can be a plus defender in a way other guys can't on this team. Yeah, and if he's able to hold his own defensively, I've got to think that's probably what will be the final determining factor if the Nuggets are giving this guy 10 to 15 minutes per night right out of the gate because we know how much of a stickler Michael Malone is for defensive miscues and stuff like that. And a couple of the mistakes he made, I'm sure those were called out in the film session. I'm sure those drove Malone up a wall. It's going to be tough for him, I think, to 
you know, play significant minutes, and I mean like 15 minutes a game from this team right out of the gate, if he's going to make defensive mistakes like that. The good thing is Denver has so much talent. Uh, they've got guys who can cover up for them. They're going to be a really good regular season team, so they can afford to uh, kind of just take some bumps and bruises that come with Porter and his play on the defensive end. But you know the kind of coach Michael Malone is, and you know he's not going to stand for that stuff. So I wonder how big of a factor that will play too. Yeah, no doubt. I think the word for me is trust with Malone. That's why I always go to Torrey Craig when we have these discussions. I think for whatever you can or can't say about Craig on the offensive end, you get the sense Malone really trusts him defensively at the three. I think that's what drives him crazy about his two stars. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be something he'll want to see from MPJ for sure. It'll take some time. But like you said, there's hope when you're that size. And from everything he's said, it sounds like he's trying to utilize that. So I agree. Hope, hope on that end. The final thing that I've got on Porter, and these are just some notes that that I took, and a lot of them I included in a big film room I did on Porter that you guys can find on thednvr.com right now. But a couple of the lineups Denver deployed him in, and specifically the ones where it was Porter at the three, Jeremy Grant at the four, Jared Vanderbilt at the five, and then there are some with Porter at the four, Grant at the five, and then, of course, Porter, Grant, and Plumley. I really like those. I really like pairing Porter with Grant. Uh, and it's for some of the same reasons that I think Millsap and Jokic work well together. Like Millsap can make up for some of Jokic's mistakes and uh, the areas where he doesn't like stack up defensively. And I think in a similar way, Grant can cover for Porter in, in some of those areas too. So I like having Porter and Grant out on the floor at the same time. And also just there's a ton of length with those two. And if you got Vanderbilt or Plumlee out there too, uh, that's a lot of length. And that's, yeah, that's a, a more defensively formidable, uh, should be a good rebounding, and, and really, you're right, long trio. It's, it's funny, man. I know I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've talked about it so much, but this was a team that just lacked a lineup that looked anything like that, right? Just, yeah. And and that's going to be important, I think, come playoff time, when, when maybe you're looking at different matchups long-term with a guy like Vando. Versatility in terms of lineups was not an identity trait of this team for a long time. So that'll be it'll be a neat wrinkle in Malone's season, man, how he chooses to use this out of the gate. For sure. And the final lineup I liked, Porter and Wancho at the two forward spots with yeah. a center, whether that's Grant, whether that's Vanderbilt or Plumlee or maybe even Jokic, because the floor spacing that you've got with, with two three-point threats with Porter and Wancho. And actually, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't call Porter quite like a three-point threat yet because – we haven't seen that from him so far. I think he will be, but we haven't seen that yet. But I feel like those combinations can lead to some nice floor spacing. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you have Beasley at the two, man, that, that lineup can really shoot. There's there's a for, lot more going sure. on going on, on this team than last year. I definitely get sure. that already. Let's hit a couple questions before we uh, take a quick break and, and pay some bills here on the DNVR Podcast Network. want to remind you guys – DNVR subscribers, submit your questions on thednvr.com. At the bottom of every story, at the bottom of every podcast, there's a comment section that's only open to subscribers. That's where we're taking our questions from. Uh, this one comes from Joshua. Excited to get your opinion on this one, Brendan. <laughs> where in my body should I get a Nuggets 2020 National Championship tattoo? Wow. I thought we were the highest people on this team in town, Harrison, but I guess not. Um <laughs> Just, I say go all out, 
shave your head and just put it right on the top. Just <laughs> yeah. No hat for a couple of months. Shine that sucker up. If you're if you if you're going that in, you gotta push all the chips in on the head. I know. If if like you're going to the point of getting a tattoo for the Nuggets potentially winning an NBA championship, you gotta go all out. Yeah, head or or or, or chest, and I mean full chest. <laughs> just shoulder to shoulder down to the navel. Yeah, I'd be a fan of a full back piece with just like the Nuggets logo and 2020 NBA champions. Well, who was it? Was it Jason Terry that did that in the NBA? Didn't someone call him yeah. shot with a tattoo? Yeah. Well, Jason Terry got the uh, Larry O.B. trophy tattooed. And actually, Nick Young also has a tattoo of the Larry O.B. Oh, well, that's not surprising. Nick Young. Shout out Nick Young. <laughs> I believe Denver he got it. Yeah. yeah. I believe he got it after the Warriors won that ring with no, him. Yeah. I, I would too. He got it behind one of his ears. <laughs> NBA champion, <laughs> Nick Young. Uh, this next question comes from Ranchman, longtime subscriber and uh, a longtime writer in of questions. He says, hello, Harrison, Adam, and Brendan. Very excited about the new DNVR. You fellas have been raining down threes. I started with a one-year subscription and enjoyed Harrison so much I upgraded last year to a three-year. Now I'm considering to go the final mile and purchase a lifetime subscription. Boom. Wow. Boom. Wow. Your organization has made a terrific commitment to the readership, and I believe that should be rewarded. He goes on to write, There have been a number of people in the national media speculating about the possibility of a Bradley Beal trade to Denver. He's a wonderful player, and I would love to have him on the team. But does Josh Kroenke and Tim Connolly really want to face the possibility of a supermax contract with Mr. Beal when they might be doing the same with Nikola Jokic in three years? Like many others, I continue to believe that the one position they need to upgrade to make a championship run is at the three. A six eight or more in bare feet. So happy the nonsense of making up players' heights is coming to an end. <laughs> Who is a defensive stud that rebounds and also can chip in twelve to fifteen points a game could be the difference maker. Mm. That's a very expensive commodity as well, but probably not a super max. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the merits of a Beal trade. If it isn't pursued, who would be the missing piece of the three to help the team win a championship? Wow. And what are the trade chips? A loaded question. Loaded. A loaded all, question. A great question. I think you hit on all the key parts, key aspects of this discussion. And mm-hmm. thank you for the kind words. We appreciate that. Uh, Harrison, I'm kind of in, in – I'm glad he threw those last couple of paragraphs in because I, I'm kind of inclined to agree with – you know, for however good Bradley Beal may be or for however better he is than maybe a Gary Harris, he is not what – our commenter has described at the three as the biggest hole on this team. And so if you're giving up assets for, albeit an upgrade, but but maybe not a huge leap from Gary at the, at the two-guard position, what have you really changed about your team? Yes, you have another elite scoring threat in the playoffs, but are, are you any more able to guard these other playoff teams down the stretch? And, and is it worth you know including some assets? The more I think about it, the less in I am on a Beal trade, Harrison. What about you? Mm-hmm. I would still be a fan of a Beal trade. I think it makes the Nuggets a largely just a better team. I think it it just definitely increases their ceiling mm. and maybe even their floor as well just because of Beal's durability. and I just think pound for pound, he's a better player than Gary Harris. I don't know if he's a better fit on the Nuggets. Because like Gary Harris with Jokic is the picture perfect fit, um, but the reasons, yeah, the reasons why you wouldn't do that trade are, are what you just said. He's not 
gonna step in at the three and give you that two-way dynamo that can you know, match up against these top scoring wings in the playoffs and that's the biggest thing Denver lacks so he helps you out I think he gets your team better but I don't think he's like the all-in piece that would necessarily elevate the Nuggets to like the favorite to win it all sure. I do think it makes them a lot better I, I do think they could be looked at as you know a, a co-favorite in the West with Beal whereas they're probably not right now um, but it's not their biggest need Let's address a wrinkle in that question, which is, are Tim Connolly and Josh Kroenke prepared to go all in? A, in terms of converting assets into a player like Beal, after we've we've thrust uh, don't skip steps out into the world. But, yeah. but B, the, the potential financial commitment, which they're obviously you know, facing a, a daunting future as it is. But if you add Beal, yeah, that gets more complicated. So do you think they would? Do you think they're in a place to go all in, Harrison? I have always maintained that if the Nuggets were able to go get that guy that they truly felt like could put them over the top, they would make the necessary moves. They would pay the luxury tax to make that deal happen. Now, I don't think that picture-perfect guy has come around yet, and I, I don't know. I don't think they view Beal as that guy. I, I, I'm not sure of this, but if I'm just speculating, I don't think they view Beal as like that golden goose, right. per se. Um, but if they're, if that guy was out there, I think they would go and get him. But with Beal and the, the salary cap implications, you're paying Jokic a max. Beal is going to demand a max. Jamal Murray is on a max deal as well. Mm. Um, there's not going to be a lot of money to go around. And while... I think Denver would pay the luxury tax. They're not going to pay like that Golden State Warriors type luxury tax, you know. Yeah, you're you're right about that. You're right about that. So that's a lot of money committed there, and that doesn't give you a ton of flexibility. So yeah, I agree. I the the Beal decision I think is a little more complicated than some folks would like to frame it to be, but I do understand the thinking of, hey, there's a title shot. The league is open. We're really good. Let's go get a great player. And, and I get that, and, and it can seem that simple at times. This is one of the many reasons why I'm glad I don't have Tim Connolly's job, Harrison. <laughs> I do think there are some other options, though, that aren't you know the players that Bradley Beal is, but options that make more sense. Like I've said on this podcast many times, a Robert Covington, for example, mm-hmm. or a Chris Middleton. Yeah. Yeah, well, Chris Middleton's probably too expensive now, right? Robert Covington, I think, is still quite intriguing. Right, and he's pretty cheap. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, cool. Well, yeah, I, I think for the are, uh to, to to put it to succinctly, I do think there are maybe less risky, less costly uh moves they can make that maybe sure up, you know, holes and things of need. So it's it's an interesting thing to think about, but Robert Covington's a great name. For sure. Thanks so much for the questions, guys. Remember, DNVR subscribers, keep commenting on uh, every podcast, every story. We'll uh, compile all those throughout the week and answer them on the show. But, Brendan, I know you brought up the uh, Broncos tailgate. I, I'm sure there was a lot of Breck beer there. Dude, and, I, ha- uh... I have to cut you off already. I, I tried my <laughs> okay. first Strawberry Sky today, and the hype is real. That thing is so good, man. It's so good. It's like the perfect summer beer but it's also the type of beer that you can drink year-round. It's super light, super flavorful. Mm-hmm. 
10 out of 10. Strong agree. Strong recommend. Get yourself a Strawberry Sky. Yeah, try other Breck beers too. The Corridor Core is a great one. The Avalanche. All you guys have had an Avalanche before from Breck. Uh, so, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, could not recommend Breck beers enough. And shout and, out to uh, Breck for stocking and supplying the booze at our tailgate. Shout out Sons of Mile High. Yes, for sure, for sure. All right, before we move on here, and a lot to get to from this second Nuggets preseason game. You guys may or may not have witnessed our very own Ryan Koningsberg experience a pretty rough hangover after the Broncos draft party and preseason game at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, there's a video we're checking out on Facebook at DNVR Broncos. But Vita Mobile IV came to Ryan's rescue, and I mean they really came through. Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, or wherever you need some serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professionals passionate about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app, request a skilled IV drip therapist. Sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 and save 20% off of your first IV drip. Visit VitaMobileIV.com today and learn more or just download their app and book your appointment. That's HYD20 to save 20%. All right, I want to move on here and get to what we thought of this small forward competition and what we think of it through two preseason games. Brennan, the fact that Will Barton has started both games and played the majority of minutes at that position, does that shine any light uh, on that competition to you? You know, I thought so. And I saw you tweeted that you think this is now Barton's spot to lose. I get the same sense, but it's worth noting that Malone denied that at practice the other day. Um, I know you went to practice today. I'll ask you some questions about that. I don't know if he spoke on it, but he's, you know, that Torrey Craig not playing, Barton playing with the starters didn't mean anything. But I'm not sure I buy that. I think it does. I think it's what we've always known, which is that a healthy Barton gives you the highest upside, has the most experience in this locker room with those guys, frankly just makes the most sense at three. And so while they're figuring out this position battle, who do you start with the starters? Well, it's Will, not once but twice. Maybe he doesn't play against Phoenix, but to me, he looks like a guy who's going to start for this team. And, yeah, I did tweet that out. I, I think he's the heavy favorite right now to win the job. And mainly, I think a, a big reason why is because he is showing some signs that he's capable of looking like the guy he was two years ago I think personally it seems like he's got a little bit of athleticism back a little more burst around the rim uh, yeah. than he did last year when he came back from the injury and like he didn't shoot the ball terribly well against the Clippers it was three, 11, 3 of 11 from the field 1 of 4 from 3 uh, but I, I thought he had some good moments and I'm seeing some flashes I'm seeing some flashes of the guy he was two years ago and I think that's what the Nuggets want to see to me, the big thing is the burst around the rim. I, I would even say the confidence around the rim. My sense last year was was post-injury and recovery. He didn't have that, and and everything was timid. He was driving to the rim looking for contact, but not really sure if he was trying to score or not. And and he looks a little bit more like thrill now, a little bit more conviction in his, in his offensive decisions. Still waiting to see that shot fall, but it's been a long time since Will has been in any kind of rhythm. So I'm willing to give him some more time in that regard. And I'm with you. He just looks more confident. And 
there's the arguments for Torrey Craig with the three, Wancho with the shooting. I get it. And, and as exciting as Porter has looked through two games, the obvious choice, if Barton was fully healthy, fully confident, like he was two years ago, it's Will. So I'm there for now, um, and, and we'll, we'll see if, if these final games reveal anything else. But I do think I do think Barton's got his job back. Yeah, so Malone said that Torrey Craig didn't play against the Clippers because it's just impossible to play four small forwards significant minutes. And yes, it definitely is. I can confirm that it is. Yeah. And so I would probably expect maybe Barton doesn't play against Phoenix. Yeah, I, I was wondering that as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but the thing with Torrey Craig, I don't think him not playing was a sign that he's not going to be in the rotation. But the Nuggets, I think, need to see Craig the least amount any amount out of any of these guys like they got to see Barton a lot to see if he has you know that form back that he had two years ago they got to see Wancho just to see if he can make a freaking three-pointer which he (laughs) did against the Clippers they got to see Porter and they got to see what the rookies got but Torrey Craig I feel like out of all those guys they know what they have in Torrey Craig Uh, they know what he's going to do on the defensive end of the floor they know what he's going to do on the offensive end of the floor. The one thing that's out there, though, is can he hit threes now? And we've heard a lot about how his shot looks a lot better uh, this fall. Uh, that's really the one thing. But out of all those guys, I think, in my opinion, they need to see Torrey Craig the least. I think that's a very good take. And I also think Craig, just in terms of who these players are and who they can be, we know the most about Torrey Craig just as viewers from the outside. Like, I think that he's probably where he's going to be in terms of in between his floor and his ceiling, right? I'd be very Mm -hmm. surprised if Craig starts adding significant elements to his game. I think this is pretty much who he's going to be in the NBA. And that's good enough for Denver on some nights. But does it it carry the intrigue and the upside of a healthy Barton or a Wancho that's shooting shooting well? Um, No. And, And so there's more question marks around Wancho and Will, and I agree with you. I didn't think that choosing not to play Torrey meant anything about his role in the rotation. I think that's a good take. Yeah, so I'd say Torrey Craig's stock probably about stayed the same. Everybody else went up in my book, though. Barton's stock went up. Wancho's stock went up. I thought Wancho looked particularly good against the Clippers. It was a team high, plus 30, I believe, in that game. Mm. And Porter is obviously stock up. He's been playing better. Beasley, the final guy I'll group into this thing, even though for some reason oh, he he's great. not part of this competition. Uh, he did look great. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm... I'm so I'm officially on on the the bandwagon with you of why is is Beasley not in the competition? What you know? Why could he not start at three? Why could he not provide what Barton's providing in terms of you know spacing and shooting and size? He's not maybe the the playmaker that Barton is with the ball in his hands, but I is it fair, Harrison, to wonder? Malone has so many decisions to make with small forward, and someone's not going to get to play. And Beasley already slides really nicely into those backup two guard minutes. Is it possible that this is just a matter of like, why add another complication to the fold if the rotation's complicated as it is? Yeah, yeah, you know, possibly, possibly. There's already so many guys battling for minutes there. You don't want to put another guy into that thing. But I would just like to see Beasley get some minutes with the starters. The numbers that he put up. At the three, you know, alongside Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Nicole Jokic last year were incredible. That was li- those lineups killed it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just want to see that a little bit. Me too. But he looked great in that Clippers game. Skinny, but but quick. Looks good. And man, he's he's a heck of a player, Beasley. He, I yeah. would say, of anyone on this roster, he's just looking. You know, two years ago to now, he's way further ahead than I anticipated. 
yeah, he has made incredible strides in his last couple of years. And I guess we can just kind of transition into the the bench here mm-hmm. from a high level. This bench, uh, we thought it was going to be great. They're too deep, sometimes three deep at every position with caliber rotation players. The bench is going to be great. And I think it's going to be a huge thing this team has in their back pocket. And I do think how deep this team is, it's going to allow the Nuggets to really dial back the minutes for their starters throughout the regular season and do that, but also still win a lot of games because this bench is just really freaking good. And I think they've shown that this preseason. Yeah. And obviously the script kind of flipped in the playoffs, right? The bench struggled, you know, Monte and Mason struggled, but I think Nuggets fans remember well that in the first half of the season last year, even at times in the second, the bench was flat out winning games um, Mm -hmm. and, and saving the starters. And you add in, the, these wrinkles now, you talked about it before, but you can put Porter and Grant next to each other alongside Beasley. You throw Wancho in that mix. Mason Plumley is a guy who, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily look like a modern center. He can't space the floor or anything like that. But he's a great pick-and-roll partner. He's a great passer. And when the floor is properly spaced around him with a true point guard like Monte Morris, you put this length and these shooters around him, that's going to be a heck of a bench lineup. I know Mason won't get a lot of minutes, but I think he'll look really good. And I also think they have a higher defensive ceiling than they did last year. So I, I expect big things from the bench. Yeah, this team is just loaded uh, top to bottom. Like one of these guys out of a Wancho or a Porter, you know, they're just – or even a Tory Craig, they're not going to play night to night, and that is yeah. just crazy. But that's that's life on a 54-win team that is probably the deepest in the league. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I'm really, I'm really excited to. I want a little redemption for Monte and Mason. I think that season probably didn't end as well for them as they'd like, but I just remember them as being incredible last season, and so I'd like to see them pick up where they left off, man. All right, DNVR listeners, as always, really excited to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away everything from long-term migraines and back pain to arthritis and IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety, pretty much you name it. CBD is also all-natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty. We couldn't recommend it anymore. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today and make sure to receive 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. couple other just random observations from uh, this game. Nikola Jokic, his uh, do not give a f- factor uh, <laughs> meter was very high in this one, as I assume it will be throughout most of the preseason. You know, he's kind of in the mode of, I'm not going to take a shot outside the paint. Nope. And uh, I'm just going to try to rack up the assists. Uh, I don't think you should really take much away from his game other than the fact that throughout the preseason he's just kind of been in a good mood. His spirits are high, it seems. Strong agree. There's no player on this roster you could read less into in preseason than Jokic. And <laughs> I loved that he was going up against Harrell uh, because I think Harrell cared as little as Jokic did. It was a fascinating battle of, of equal absolute value in, in giving a fuck factor. I think Jokic may have come out on top. <laughs> he, he truly didn't care. Yeah, one thing I'll be looking for Monday against Phoenix, Denver's next preseason game, 
I don't know if Paul Millsap is going to play. Popped up on the injury report as questionable, and you know he's probably lining up for a game off anyway. Excited to see more minutes with Jokic and Jeremy Grant together. Yeah. Uh, no, so no looking forward to that. Yep. Final note I've got here: uh, Jamal Murray in this one, four seven from the field, two rebounds, two assists, nine points. A more efficient night than he had against Portland, I believe. But I gotta say. Jamal Murray went to Kobe's camp this summer. It seems like he's definitely picked up some uh, nuances from Kobe's game. Yeah. And, yep. and mainly talking about his shot selection. The fadeaways he's taking right now, he looks like Kobe. He looks like he's trying to emulate Kobe. He's hunting them out, right? Like shots he has time to square up and, and he's fading up. He's seeking out the difficult shots. He's taking long twos. Is it only two three-point attempts, Harrison, through two games? Uh, so it's preseason panic meter is always very 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 low but I'm, I'm with you i've i've made similar observations yeah he did not attempt a three against the clippers and you know murray's always a guy who who gets up threes whether that's in transition or the half court and attempted two against portland so yeah still yet to make a three um but i, I just thought it was interesting it seems like he's definitely trying to emulate kobe on the offensive end of the floor <laughs> no doubt about it jamal's had an interesting preseason he didn't. He was not. Uh, Adam asked him about the three pointers. He, he didn't even realize. He was not too concerned, as you can, you can imagine. Yeah, I, I'm not really concerned about that either. Anything else from uh, this Clippers game as we wrap up here? Denver just kind of ended up blowing them out by you know a bunch of points. It was uh, kind of got depth, away man. from the Clippers at the end. Just depth that stands out to me. I know not everyone's playing, and and how hard everyone's playing varies this time of year. But you look at. You look at the way Denver closed out that fourth quarter because they've got very good players that aren't going to be in this rotation. So it's it's a really deep team, and I think it'll rear its head this season. Right. The Nuggets are throwing out, like, Porter, Wancho, Vanderbilt, the, you know, even somebody like Vlaco. Right? Yeah, Vlaco Chanchar in these garbage time minutes, whereas the Clippers are throwing out, like, Amir Coffey and uh, – Yes, yeah. Jay Palmer Jr. There's who, a difference. I'm not even sure who that is. We'll see, you know, how much that matters in playoffs when, when rotations tighten. You know, we'll see. But in the regular season, I really think it'll be a factor that Denver, I think, is clearly deeper than these other top teams. Do you know who Jay Palmer Jr. is? No, I'm just dude, looking at the box no. score. No, I'm going to Google that one later. James Palmer Jr. from Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah, I know. I knew that. All right. Well, it, it was a... A good one for Denver for sure, and so we'll be back to you know recap how the Nuggets look against the Suns here on Monday in that third preseason game. But before we get out of here, I promise you guys, if you leave a five-star review on iTunes on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, I will read it on the show. So we're really looking for iTunes reviews. It literally takes a second. Uh, just search DNVR space Nuggets or just DNVR to find any of our podcasts across the whole network. And you know, scroll over to our Nuggets one, drop a quick five-star review, and I'll read it on the podcast. Uh, this one comes from K Bizzle. Love the collab. Brendan is my favorite. Harrison's analysis is awesome, and Adam's energy is exciting. Go Nuggets. I'm always looking forward to all the content you guys put out. Thank you. Love that review. Can you read that one again? Just Maybe just the first five words. <laughs> I love the collab. Brendan is my favorite. Is that the part you want me yeah, to read Yeah, yeah. No, like, that part was good. This one comes from Sun Loves It. 
Joe Wolf Fan Club gives it five stars. I have not been as excited about any Denver Nuggets content since Joe Wolf donned the blue and gold in 1997. Though it was only an 11-1 season, it was packed with tremendous moments like Priest Lauderdale being huge and Vicky and Russ Ray, RIP Russ, letting us understand why their personalized plate still says Beastith 23, even though he decided to drive a Ford and not a Chevy. 22 years later, we have been given this joyous trio, a la Joe Priest and Bryant. If you listen to this podcast and don't give it a five-star review, I will personally see it that Dean Garrett, yes, the Dean Garrett, finds you and changes your review. Also, <laughs> in all seriousness, every listener should subscribe and pay for the great work. Just do it. Finally, get some female guests on to share different perspectives. Mm. We can definitely do that. Agree on Thanks. that. Thanks. Yep. Good review. Strong review. Uh, right. the, yeah, strong review. Strong review. This one comes from TBass1980. Love the Nuggets info. Five stars, short and sweet. Uh, this one comes from South Federal Vinny. Love listening to this show every chance I get while working in my cubicle. Sometimes I disagree strongly with Adam, Brendan, Harrison and begin shouting in anger, which deeply upsets Cheryl from accounting, which leads to a meeting with HR about my language and acceptable work behavior. Love listening and can definitely feel the passion for the sport that comes through from these three guys. Awesome review. Finally, from Andy, I love the new podcast, Great Mix of Entertainment and Nuggets Analysis. Keep up the great work. Five stars. This is awesome. awesome. I love our people, man. Great community. Great listeners. Keep leaving five-star reviews, guys, and we'll read them on the pod throughout this entire week. And I think that's all the time we got for today. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Hey, guys, before we get out of here, got to tell you about the deal that Total Beverages has for the DNVR fam right now. They're giving DNVR fans 30% off your purchase of $25 or more if you use the code DNVR2019. You can do that online or on the Total Beverage app. Make sure you download it today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton. They have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered.